0: night i have josh cacho josh how are you feeling tonight
1: you know what usually after these second watches and you know where we're going more in depth to really kind of figure out what's going on we usually feel better about these things this is one of those ones where you you just look at it and just have to shake your head because again there was you know while like i said the second we had talked about and after the carson game right there was a distinct you know, note until in, in terms of like you you felt better about how the team looked, right in the in the sec, um, in the second you know phase of the game, right? Basically, after that first twenty minutes, you're you're like, okay, the midfield's figured it out, that sort of thing, and you know, everything looks better. This is one of those those games where, you know, LAFC had seventy six possession, but really, never improved nor did much for the, the, you know, for all 90 minutes, in my opinion.
0: Right. I mean, I think we talked about, you know, kind of the general way the game went, where we did look better for the first 25, 30 minutes before Minnesota scored. And while they're still parking the bus in those, you know, that first uh, third of the game, once they get those two goals, it's really over because then it's just, uh, it goes from parking the bus to just, putting it up on blocks in the yard and never planning on moving it again. Um, So, and there were no, Bob said it in his, in his press conference that there were just no ideas on how to break that down on the field. Um, I don't think he was trying to absolve himself. Um, I think he was really trying to just challenge the players a little bit more to be a little more optimistic on the ball and try, try uh, new things. But um, did you notice anything big while going back and, and watching this stuff that we didn't really hit last time?
1: Yeah, I think one of the the biggest things was, you know, one of one of the principles by which you know an offense is going to approach, you know, unlocking a defense, you know, whether it's one that's you know in a in a normal in a normal um, you know mid 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 block or if someone that's parking the bus, right? Either way, your your job is to try and attack it in a couple specific ways. One of the things that you're looking to is basically stress the defense in different direction, right? You either want to stress them vertically, so hitting long balls over the top, you know, getting people to get out in space and run that direction, getting people to move laterally. So getting the defense to come towards the wing and then hit a cross ball back in the middle where now you're getting them moving the opposite direction, or you can beat people, you know, you're looking for a personnel stress where you have a person that's just going to put, you know, the, put the one-on-one moves on a particular opponent, right? So what Carlos Vela has done all season long, right? Just put people on skates, make them work. You know, you have to defend him as a, as an individual. Um you know, and kind of piggybacking on what you said about you know Bob noting that there wasn't they, they were playing with without ideas. they they started out with a particular tactic in terms of just trying to play through, you know play through the middle, you know so kind of play these one touch passes and try and thread balls to the forwards. And once that didn't work, right there was no real attempt to stress stress the Minnesota's defense in any other direction. Right? other than vertically, other than trying to get runners in between. And, you know, there just wasn't much beyond that, right? You just didn't see much of an effort to move them from side to side, right? Like I was rewatching the first half, you know, before before we started recording. And you, not once do you see a ball, a diagonal ball being hit, right? Whereas normally you would see, you know, a Vela or someone pick up the ball on the outside of the witness Outside of the midfield from, um, you know, from the one in the is dropping down to the outside and then hit a huge diagonal across the field, which now stresses, you know, Minnesota both or the defense both laterally and vertically at the same time. Not a single time did you see that, right? Um, you know, where they're switching the direction of play. And so most of the chances that they're getting are coming from, you know, Atuesta just having to hit the perfect ball, right? Which he does on occasion and it. It, it provided a couple opportunities, but nothing, you know, nothing that was really causing that much stress to, you know, to Minnesota in that sense. And so, again, I think that's the frustrating thing was that you just saw a lack of, you know, a lack of ideas and approach in terms of, you know, how are we, what, when plan A fails, what's your next option? And there just wasn't much there.
0: Right. Right. Sometimes I feel like, Uh, We've talked about the soccer gods before and how I don't like that term. Sometimes I feel like the ideas comments get a little close to that where, you know, you just throw out this generalization. Oh, they were playing without ideas. But I think like you said, there's enough there uh, in terms of specific meaning for Bob and and things that the players understand when Bob says you need to have ideas, whether it's picking your head up and, and looking for that diagonal, like you said, or changing from an underlapping run to an overlapping run because you've noticed that the defensive midfielders are starting to cheat central and and leave the wings a little more open if you're one of the fullbacks. Um, I think that I'd have to imagine that the players understand what Bob means by that. And it's not just some generalization that sounds good in a soundbite. Um, yeah,
1: you know, and I think that was one of the things that Bob had talked about you know in 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 previous losses you know especially last year right where it was they they tend to make a lot of the same mistakes again and, and and they don't they haven't been able to make adjustments right at at certain points right i think in the first time we probably saw that was the vancouver game and part of that was a personal issue where you just you know they're still just trying to figure out what the heck they're doing out there let alone make adjustments in the middle of the game to try and and try and win right um but what you've seen in other games throughout the season is that ability to do that. And for whatever reason this was what you know, I don't know if it was a matter of just vetting Rodriguez, you know, or or just some of those different things. But I think it just didn't come off, you know, like when things didn't come off the way that they had expected, you just never saw that next that flip that switch being flipped to say, okay, on to the next one. What's that next thing that we're going to do? Right? Is it if you know if we can't pass central you know are we just going to continue to do it the rest of the game and essentially that's what happened for 90 minutes right it was we're just going to stick with the same tactic and hope it works again yeah. like sometimes it works and you can and you can just wear teams down that way but other times again based on how how disciplined minnesota was playing and you have to give them credit it was extremely disciplined in, in terms of how they held their lines they're not moving you know, over too much and overreacting to certain things that were happening, you know, but at the same time, when you did see some of those things happening, whether it's an overlapping run from Harvey or, um, you know, or the interchange where Roderick, you know, either Rosio or Rodriguez is out wide and then they cut inside, you know, and then you have that late runner coming in, you know, from either Blessing or Dio, there were chances that they created, you know, none that they finished, unfortunately, but at the same time, when that's if that's your only trick, yeah you know like I said it's 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 going to have a shelf life to a certain degree
0: yeah uh, there were a couple times where I think Rossi's able to get around that that back line um typically from a ball in as he's making this kind of diagonal run and as soon as he's behind he's able to cut back behind the left wing back and on one of them I think it's in the say seventh or eighth minute he plays. A ball back to the spot, and Rodriguez is there, and he puts in a really poor left-footed effort. Um, if it's Vela, that that shot probably goes in, um, just because we all know the quality of his left foot. So, uh, I, I do. I think there's something there with Rodriguez finishing. No, I think it's just you know, uh, he, maybe he's a little overamped, and he's and he doesn't get his foot around it properly. I'm not exactly sure, but. There are a handful of chances like that where Rousey's able to get around their left wing back. I think his name was Um So there's, there's a there, was he?
1: Yeah, he was the uh, I think Minnesota's only
0: All Star. Okay, Rip really? Opar didn't go.
1: No, I don't think he made it this year. Kind of seems like remember prime. it was it was uh, Walker and someone else.
0: Yeah, yeah, one yeah of the you Atl- know and writing. LGP,
1: one of the Atlanta guys. Okay,
0: man. yeah, wow. Um, so yeah, that, you know, Rossi's able to get a, a, a few good looks there, play a couple balls in, but other than that, I feel like most of the plays were just, you know, they, they would stall out on the right wing and Rodriguez is looking to find somebody at the top of the box. And because they have so many defensive midfielders just sitting right there at the top, they were frequently intercepted and, and poked away. Um,
1: yeah. Hey- like I think like you're playing you're almost playing right into the strength of their defense as opposed to trying to you know maybe again just looking for something different and trying to stress them in a different way again you just it just you kept expecting it to happen and yet it never it never came off you know and again it was really interesting to see it plateau because because you just you don't expect that from a you know from a Bob Bradley team
0: yeah yeah so let's talk about one of the one of the chances that we had uh, it comes off of a bit of a broken play on one of those crosses. So Rodriguez is looking for blessing and it's poked away by one of the 900 defensive midfielders on the field for them. Um, I think it finds the feet of Lee Wynn and then it's poked away again. And uh, Eddie Atuesta comes in and wins a 50-50, dribbles in through a couple defenders and, and puts in a shot across the face of goal towards the back post that, I think Monona gets a hand on or something and it eventually pops out towards their left back. And at this point, there's nobody, there's nobody back, especially in terms of, of our midfielders. You have uh, a obviously in the box because he just shot blessing in the box because that's where he likes to hang out. And Lee Wynn is our deepest lying midfielder, but he's not, you know, he's still kind of providing offensive support and you have, um, Jordan Harvey, Eddie Segura, and Walker Zimmerman back. And there's a long ball played to Toy. And he's able to just kind of skip along uh, across the field. Plays a 1-2 with Gregus. And Eddie Segura, who's initially making the run with Toy, and looks to be in a good position to keep forcing him onto his right foot and away from the goal, decides to bail on the run and try and play the ball, which is just a critical mistake. And especially considering Minnesota had a three-on-three, Segura can't be making that decision. He has to stay with his man. He can't be putting anybody, you know, because they only have three defenders back against three attackers, you can't leave your man to try and make some last-ditch effort tackle on on the ball. Uh, The ball gets loose. Zimmerman can't recover for Segura in time. And Toy's got a great left-foot shot. Uh, left-footed shot that bends around Cisniego. But again, it comes off of uh, us trying to throw numbers at the problem and all of our midfielders being really far up the pitch. And really the only one that's staying back to provide support is Jordan Harvey. Um, but what we really needed was somebody central to to help ward off that initial run from Toy. Did I miss anything there? Is there anything you want to talk about?
1: No, you know, and I think that was that. That to me was one of the more frustrating ones because then you just see, you know, where where the initial positioning is, and you know, and it happens, you know, on fairly regularly on some of these on some of these things, you know, and obviously with with Harvey hanging back a little bit on that and not necessarily providing the overlap, you didn't get, you know, it wasn't like it was off to the races the way that you know we saw against. Carson right it came off a shot our own shot on goal so again that that those counters will happen but at the same time right not having one of the midfielders sit in between you know drop deeper and sit in between the center backs on a run to me is almost a bit unexcusable right you see you know or at least if you're going to do that right the the if if you're going to have the the midfielders crash in the way that LAFC were at minimum then the fullbacks have to be able to get back. But again, you you know, I don't even know where Tristan Blackman was on that play, right? He's up, and he's so, up uh
0: near the near the 18 and playing kind of central. So I mean yeah, of course Joyce the, back there.
1: That's back there. but if he's why 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 is he playing central and by the eighteen if at is crashing the box? At that point, you should already be booking it back the second you see him make that run. Right? yeah because i mean especially blackman like,
0: i think you could say the same for for lee Wynn. maybe you stay me you know maybe for lee win you stay and and see what happens at, you know maybe a ball's played loose and or poked loose and it comes back to you at the top of the box for a shot but as soon as monona gets a glove to it and the left back finds it win's got to be looking over his shoulder too both he and blackman have to be looking over the shoulder to see who's down the field uh and they got to be you know they got to be hauling back to to pick up their defensive assignments.
1: Yeah. I mean, I mean, I at least understand Lee Wynn hanging around the 18 because he's an actually an offensive threat. Right, right. Right. But either of the fullbacks who are not, you know, like, you know, Jordan Harvey has his, had his one goal and Blackman's sc- scored occasionally, but what are they doing from, you know, what are they going to, what are they going to do with the top of the 18, pick up a ball and then curl one into the back post. Right. right. Neither of the, (laughs) neither of those guys are anyone who's really going to do any kind of damage from that location. They're not that that, kind of
0: offensive threat.
1: Yeah. So at that point, when, when you see, when you say, when you see him making, you know, crashing the box in that manner, you should already making that rotation and starting to drop back into space to help, you know, again, provide, provide a little bit of stability, um, you know, to, to the, to the back line, you know. Do you think maybe that's a communication
0: thing? Where to a certain degree if Kay's on the field, maybe Eddie's saying something to him, or vice versa. Kay's telling oh, him to make the run and you're like I got you, and he's starting to move back.
1: Yeah, I mean I think that's the one thing, right? You under normal circumstances, it's it's usually Kay and or Atuesta is, is sitting between. And Atuesta, you know, for you know, in this game for the most part, when he was the guy that was sitting deep, does definitely does that job and, and does that role. This is the kind of the one of the second or third time that I've seen Lee and and Blessing play together in that eight in the in the dual eights or dual tens how, role, however however you know you're defining it, and it's also the second time where they things just didn't seem chemistry from a chemistry standpoint because I think they make the two similar of runs, right? Like the runs that Lee wants to make are about the same as the ones that Latif wants to make, but again. In this, in this, Lee's you know Latif's positioning in this match, you know, compared you know, were almost detrimental on, from an offensive perspective because he just clogs the lanes. So a couple times yeah. when the ball will come in and you know, and Lee has an opportunity to cut inside and and do different things, you know, Latif is just sitting at the top of the ten, in almost in between. So you're cutting off lanes at that point that he or room for him to build the threat of ball back to Dio. Right, because you're he's just parked at the top of the at the top of the eighteen and then calling for the ball at his feet. Right. Again, like he, he and blessing are just seem to occupy the same places when they're when they're in the game together. And, you know, unless he unless the they're going to do some of that overlap and play out wide and do these different things again, it it, it just caused more traffic, you know, in an in a already crowded back line.
0: Right. And I think for me, that's, that's one of the big problems with this match is the seeming lack of awareness that you have a very compact five-man back line and a very compact three-man midfield right in front of it. So you have six, you know, six Minnesota players right in the middle of the box um, and then two others flanking them. Yet everything is still being forced to the middle. We're throwing numbers into the middle, we, I mean, to include our fullbacks. And we talked about this last week with the Galaxy, that, it, that that does nothing for us. You know, sending sending more bodies central just clogs it even further and makes it even more difficult to pass through it. Um, so that that's where I think I'm the most frustrated, kind of similar to you, where, why you know, why are there just so many bodies where it's all compacted? So let's try and spread the field a little bit more, Uh, especially considering, you know, we we are using our fullbacks. Just give them the wing assignments, have them run up and down the line just to provide width Um, because they're not really providing anything central, especially not Blackman. Harvey, Harvey, I think, is a little bit better in possession. And uh, I think uh, he may be a little bit underrated at this point as a as a playmaker there on the wing. But, um, you know, you're not getting a whole lot out of those two central.
1: Yeah, I mean, and this is probably where you miss Bedish for the most, right? Who has you know for uh, you know has probably one of the better positional awareness of the on the entire team, right? You, you he knows when he needs to make his 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 overlapping run when Vela cuts in. You know he's the only fullback that I've seen make the proper overlapping run when Vela's on his left foot, right to yeah. the point where Vela's has been. I think against San Jose, he found him back post. And then a couple times he made the run and you know passed it and get off. But you it made sense based on what you know on what they were trying to do.
0: Yeah, and I now, think I think last week against the galaxy, you saw how comfortable he is just occupying space. In the first goal that Blessing had that comes off of the cross and the Rousey header, you have Betashore just standing outside of it, outside of Vela, just providing him another option because he's being double teamed. And so he just kind of casually walks across, you know, walks into the, walks in behind the galaxy's back line and Vela plays him in. And that's when the cross comes. But he's not, he's not doing anything backbreaking. He's, he understands, like you said, where to be positioned, you know, providing more width and making sure that the defense can't cheat too much with Vela and taking away his left foot. Um, So I, I think there's something to be said about that.
1: Yeah. Like I said, it's, it's just one of those things where you just have to wonder you know again is it is it come down to their their chemistry together or or what but again it's just again it was it was just weird to see it come off that in the way that it did in this match
0: yeah yeah i feel like we've probably been a little too negative again this is a great this is a great defensive performance from minnesota you can't take anything away from them two excellent finishes from toy as well um that I don't know that you're going to be able to do a whole lot about. I, I think the second finish, the second shot from Toy, or I should say goal, um, it is a little disheartening because it comes from a dead ball where I think it may have been Rodriguez gives like this forearm shiv to Metonera in the back, and they win a free kick, but nobody's, you know, they're not even sending numbers forward, but we're definitely not trying to get numbers back. And Toy picks up a ball, it rattles around a little bit, and he uncorks one from outside the box and there's not a whole lot of defenders around to to know much about it so i think that's the frustrating thing is here's a set piece that wasn't taken very fast and nobody gets back so that's kind of confusing to me
1: Right. Yeah, and then again at that at that point, right? Is it a is it a question of effort at that point where you just don't have people moving? Is it a question of fatigue? But but honestly, they have they would have more of an argument there because they played midweek against uh, against Atlanta, Atlanta, yeah, right. So at the same, time, like I said, I I'm I I almost don't want to hear the excuses, you know, some of the excuses that that would be provided in that sense again because again they just there's not much cover there you know in my opinion based on what we right. what we've seen in the game you know again, I mean I think of...
0: if I think if you were watching on film with them they'd probably just say like, oh yeah I mean toys up there cantero's up there but we had you know Harvey in the area plus the the two center backs so we figured we had a number of his advantage we just stay stay forward which again is is frustrating to me but I, I think that's what they probably say you know we 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 had a numbers advantage, which, uh, as we mentioned on Sunday, Adrian Heath got it right. He put two forwards up there to occupy the two center backs that are always by themselves, and uh, he got a win because of it.
1: Yeah, but the thing is, we were getting out duelled, right, for that first ball, right. So if they only yeah. have two forwards and they're just spraying balls, right, that's just a one-on-one duel, and we're you're losing that. You know, you you lost that on two big occasions that led to some of those goals, and again, you know. As as good as you know Mason Toy and Quintero are, you know we've seen you know they're it's not like they're in that upper echelon of the MLS in terms of you know strike partners that you're you're you know that you're yeah. worried that keep you up at night right it's you know like of of the ones we played against it's Pavone and 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 Zlatan and then probably Joseph and Petey, right or whatever combination yeah. they the yeah. board decides to let them use but you know for whatever reason. You know, Quintero has been a nightmare for against LAFC. You know, again, he's a little bit of a bull in the midfield, you know, when he does drop down into space, you know, but and he is, you know, lightning fast. But again, it's just one of those things where I, I, again, I'm not sure LAFC was really up for this game. It to me, it almost felt like they came in expecting, expecting to win and expecting Minnesota to lay down and they didn't get any of that and then didn't know what to do when when that happened. Because, again, right. there's times when they're just getting they're just getting outran and out out hustled um, in certain situations. And, you know, again, there, there wasn't I never got a sense of urgency.
0: Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, considering uh, we've broken down exactly what Minnesota did and why we weren't able to handle it, I think we can probably just move on to questions without having to go too much further into the game. Um, are you good with that?
1: Yeah, let's do
0: it. Especially since I, some of these questions, we only got three tonight. Thank you to those who t- tweeted at us. Um, but I think there's a good opportunity for us to really dig into some of the the other tactics here. Uh, the first one came from Tycho B&G at Tycho Blue. Is Atuessa playing higher up the pitch. I know the midfield is fluid, but shocked against the Loons how far up he was. Last year, Benny played deep, but Lee looks slow back there. News on Guido: Does he get the run off the? Does he get a run off the bench? Is there a keeper controversy, and does Vela start? Uh, well, a lot there. So let's go with: Is Atuesta playing higher up the pitch? I think we've talked about how he was. Uh, if you have anything to add here, I think he's there because again, we're trying to get more numbers forward to uh, try and overload that eight-man block. You got any Yeah, there?
1: I think I think he sees. When he is getting forward, it's because there's he's trying to stretch, you know, trying to stretch them laterally, you know, by making the runs in those situations. But again, when you when your deepest line midfielder is making that run, you know, one of the two other guys has to has to rotate, you know, to make up for the you know to make up for the defensive balance. And that's I think more of the issue that caused that was caused by by him making that run is that you just neither one of the other two were were doing you know, much movement in terms of making sure that they were back defensively, especially in the yeah. first half.
0: Um, I think maybe now's a good time to revisit kind of how you and I see the midfield. Uh, and I don't want to speak for you, so I'll, I'll tell you how I see the midfield and their roles, and then you can correct me if I'm wrong or if you see it a little differently, be sure to let me know. But um, you had mentioned earlier, you know, not sure if we see it as a six-eight and a 10, I think, I think a six, eight and a 10 is the right way to see it. Except that that 10 isn't a traditional 10. And we've talked about this before, how blessing is typically this inverted destroyer, which is normally the role of a defensive midfielder. Um, he provides a little bit of offensive output, but you know, he's not going to be breaking any lines with passes or, uh, or, you know, coming up with crazy finishes like you're, you know, Lionel Messi's or whoever else um, that wear the 10. Uh, K, I see as a pivot or or an eight, somebody that's shuttling the ball. You can can get him the ball kind of deep and he can move it up the field. He's capable of playing balls in. He's capable of defending. He's just a a true center midfielder. And then Atuesta, who is a six, um, but a bit more of a regista. Um, and we've talked about this before, how he's kind of this deep line playmaker. He's the, you know, he's always going to be the deepest in the midfield uh, unless they're really struggling. I think we're on Sunday night and he's definitely capable of playing line or playing these passes through to the forwards uh, through lots of lines. So he's he can play a ball through the midfield and the back line at once. Um, and I think that's what makes him so valuable to us. In terms of offensive output, and I think it also takes the heat off of Latif in that number ten role, where you don't need him to be so creative in finding in finding passes to the forwards, because you do have somebody like Tuwistu back there who can who can do it as well.
1: Yeah, you know, and I think, like I said, it's for for me. I think the I agree with like their roles. Like you said, like K is more of that shuttler who's that box gonna go box to box. Latif is, you know, essentially the ten, you know, but is also more the tip of the spear in terms of the counter press, right? With right. with that twist sitting deep, right? But the I think the biggest concern is not necessarily what they do in the midfield, but it's when they do when they're when they don't have when they themselves don't have possession, right? Is the thing that I find the most frustrating. And given the offensive talent we have with with Rossi, Vela, Rodriguez, and Dio. It's all they they almost get involved more than they probably need to, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that's that sometimes is what causes a little of that that defensive imbalance, right? And so, you know, do you is the you know, and again maybe it's just not in Bob's tactic to have the midfielders overlap every now and then, you know, if and have the defender sit or do different things like that. But I think that's that's where they're they're probably going to need to have to vary a few of these things just to make sure, right? That that they have that stability because I think they can I think that over the last two three games now that's probably the, our biggest concern is again when when they have to push numbers forward for different reasons they the midfield ha- has been generally nowhere to be found um, you know as it pertains to providing stability to the you know to um, or a stable platform from from which the offense should be operating upon. Um, as opposed to they want to be a part of a part of all of the action.
0: Right, right. Um, so some of these other questions from at Tycho Blue, uh, do you think Guido gets any run this week?
1: I mean, I, given, given how there's probably like five people on the roster, I don't know who else is going to in the <laughs> midfield.
0: It is a little thin. So, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me. Uh, I would assume it's going to be a 60-minute, Sub where he gets 30 minutes at the end of the match, um, but like you said, we could easily see it becoming. Uh, he, I mean, he could easily get a start just because there's nobody else to play. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know,
1: I, I think probably what you'll you'll see probably Perez drop in there somewhere. I'm assuming with with Lee and Blessing, which is again at least you know Perez is going to work all you know you kind of both of them to work all game long, but again it's not. It's not exactly you know a team that's going to be able to pass you know pass pass through pass through a team either.
0: Yeah, I mean, if it's me, I think I would prefer to see Vela as a 10 and blessing on the wing or Perez on the wing um, just because I don't want both blessing and Perez in the midfield together. I don't see how that's a recipe for success. Um, but then again, like I always say, I'm not paid millions of dollars to manage anybody. so
1: yeah, I mean, Who knows? Me, I'm probably just wrong for me, you know, and then Bob has played the formation last year, I feel like against Atlanta and a couple other times where it's more of a three four three um in, you mm-hmm. know, and so you're gonna have you would have you know, probably was it Eddie Segura, I think Yakovich is I don't think he's available, right? Something happened to him. Probably Did Blackman and Silva. Vegas? I don't. I feel like he's hurt or something. I saw maybe. But anyways, we like Blackman. Um, probably Blackman Segura and Silva across that back three with Latif playing on that right hand side of as a you know as a midfielder wing back, and then on that left side you can play Elmanir there, and then still have you know um, Lee and any one of the other two midfielders, right in the middle of the park. Uh, that's,
0: a, that's an interesting thought. I like that. Yeah.
1: Right. So then you have Muhammad and Blessing be able to play back or, you know, any of, you know, or whoever. Yeah. Cause I think it would be Blessing playing that right wing back role. Um, right. With probably Lee. Yeah. I'd have to assume so. And I don't know who the other midfielder would be to sit centrally. Then you still play your three up top, right. Of having Dio, probably yeah. Perez and Vela if he's available. Again, that's it, a really
0: interesting thought.
1: Yeah, I don't, I, would,
0: I mean, I don't, I can't say that I see Bob doing it. Um, just because he seems to be, we play a four through three and that's what we do, but but you can I even do it in be,
1: possession, right? Yeah, it doesn't necessarily right, mean right, that you, right, right. Like you just you line up in your four through three, but then in possession, that's basically where, where you know, you basically just have you know the right back sit, right? Um, um Blessing pushes over from his spot. Munir plays up high, and then you get you maintain your normal width there. So it's just a matter of you know, like Greg Berhalter in the system, and you know, in terms of what the right back is doing.
0: Ugh! Buckle up, kids. It's gonna get ugly if it, if it's a Berhalter idea. Yeah.
1: So um, yeah, we'll, we'll see. I mean, again, it, it's you're in a in a place where you kind of have to figure out something because again, I'm not even sure you know given we have what six players out on international duty i think seattle has 10 six yeah so yeah Oof, we have six ten? seattle has 10 Jeez. Yep. but they have a usl team to call people in from we don't so
0: right cool. right one day um to be to be fair to the to the club i kind of like how we're building it um where we're basically we started with what was it u12s u13s
1: mm-hmm. i think we have up to up to 15 to now
0: Right. So they're just going to continue to matriculate. And by the time they're 18 year olds will end up with the USL squad, I would imagine. Um, And that way they're, you know, they grew up inside our system. um, And we don't have to worry about going out and finding the right fit for a USL side. Uh, His next question is, is there a keeper controversy? We kind of talked about this on Sunday. And uh, I think, I think, it's fair to say that there is and that this has been a bit mismanaged, which again, I, I know I mentioned on Sunday. What do you think, Josh?
1: Yeah, I mean, honestly, I, it's just one of those things where they both do a few things well but nothing great, right? And it's like you you wish you had a little bit from each guy, right? Like Miller's communication with the defensive line and some of those things, but at the same time, I almost feel like the things that Cisnega doesn't do well are things that you can work on and you can improve. I don't know how you improve some of Miller's flaws in terms of, you know, his, you know, some of the things that, you know, his, you know, some of the mental things that he's going through. Right. And just, you know, again, it's confidence and knowing when to come out, you know, being more assertive as a keeper and some of those different things. Again, it's tough, right? Because again, we don't know what's happening. We don't know what's happening day to day. We don't know what's happening in, in training all the time and so again bob seemed to be pretty frustrated after the um you know with him after the carson game you know but at the same time cisniega even in this game had his fair share of just you know gaffs i think in the 65th minute he tries to play a ball out and it basically just plays it right to quintero right yeah or, you know and you're just yeah. like hey, yeah, yeah you know so they they haven't been able to you know neither guy has been really separated himself as much as we would like to think you know Sydney had a nice little run there but at the same time it was it wasn't again you know it was in in cup competition not against necessarily the best we were going to see you know in throughout the league you know but again it's some of the stuff that that Miller's been going through as well right isn't doesn't provide you with any any more confidence in terms of how how they they've been able to marshal the backline, you know, appropriately. So.
0: Right. Um, Bob actually fielded a question about this in his press conference as well. And he pretty much pointed the finger straight at the U S men's national team and said, Tyler hasn't been the same since he went back. He was gone for however many weeks and it was the third string keeper and didn't get enough. He didn't get enough games in, um, and I, I mean, I have to say I agree because it came back and it felt like he was starting all over again, um, except when he started with us last year, he got off to an amazing start. So, man, you never want to be in the position of turning down a, a call-up, but um, if it comes down to it again and Miller's looking down the barrel of I can either start with my club team or I can be the third choice for the Gold Cup Behind, you know, Zach Steffen, who just got sold to Man City, and I assume Sean Johnson for who, for whatever reason, is in Berhalter's good graces, uh, despite a remarkable own goal this year.
1: I mean, he didn't uh, even make. He's not back in it for this next run either, though. So, they, you did, know, like, did Johnson not get called up? No, it was Guzan and then Ethan Horvath. I thought they called in four. Maybe, but.
0: I Johnson think, was one of them.
1: I think I don't. I think they're expecting it to be Horvath, Guzan, and uh, okay, and and what, I thought I thought Steffen. Horvath
0: got snubbed, but um, nah, not that it matters. We all know Stefan's got the men's national team job, so whoever they bring in from MLS to keep MLS fans happy, or it's fine. DC fans are still going to be crying that Bill Hamid hasn't gotten any love, so. <laughs> uh, but yeah, if, if it's me, Miller's got to think long and hard about those decisions. Like if he, if I'm just going to be the third choice and never going to see a game, then maybe you should just leave me at home.
1: Yeah. And especially with, you know, with a guy like Cisnega, who's already breathing down his neck. Right. And, yeah. and, and was brought in specifically yeah. to try, you know, as a, as a competition and as someone who was, you know, trying to take his job. And so again, it, and it's just the, the you know, it looks like 2000, you know, what we, he's making the same mistakes and having the same issues that we saw last year. Right. And again, in, right. in Bob's book, that's never a good thing, you know, again, cause it's, he's always wanting people to continue to improve and those different things like that. And when you don't see those things again, it never ends well.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And then he also asks, does Vela start? And I say he does.
1: Yeah, I mean again it's one for the training. It's it's a question for the training staff. The it'll be it'll it will have been a full 2 weeks. Ideally if you can get a third that's probably even the better. But again, I don't it didn't seem like it was the even like a high end grade 1 sprain, you know, grade 1 strain. So should he, you know, again they they're, they'll probably go through the testing procedures and see how he feels throughout the week and I'm sure we'll hear something. You know, in the coming days, as opposed to, uh, you know, in terms of how he's doing, but for me, as yeah. a, from a physical therapy standpoint, that a third week, you know, could a lot of times is is what the doctor ordered. But again, it just depends on on what um, to what extent the initial injury was. Which again, because it's MLS, um, or we'll just never know.
0: Right. Right. All right. Moving on, I'm going to actually skip down to the last question we got because I think I could I think it helps uh, the flow of of the discussion here uh, at El Caminante 78 asks us in the last podcast you talked about the prospect of LAFC facing more teams that will play a low block against them particularly the playoffs what are your thoughts about what the team can do to overcome such tactics thanks uh, I'll let you take a swing at that one before I jump in
1: yeah, I mean, I think it's for me, it's understanding how how distressed teams in multiple ways, right? If if it, you know, like when you have Carlos Vela vale available, right? He does a lot of those things on his own, right? And that's probably led to some of the chatter about LAFC being a one man team and some of the singing. And again, there's a little bit of validity to it, just because they played so, you know, they again, they they there was that disjointed that disjointed approach, and again, not much not much, um, you know, not much adjustment to try and, and do something different. Uh, but I think the biggest thing is figuring out how, you know, what's the tactic for the given moment to be able to move, you know, to get to get that movement from that back line, right? So whether that's hitting that diagonal, whether that's stretching it, whether it's a false nine, you know, you have a multitude of things that you're going to be able to employ to try and break that down. And lafc has been preparing seemingly for the whole season to be able to do any number of those things but for for various reasons whether it's injury or 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 just kind of you know rotation or whatever it may be you know you just haven't been able to them you haven't seen them being able to kind of put it all together um against some of these low block, block teams, you know, again, unless they get that early goal and then you're kind of forcing teams to come out, which again, in a one-off is probably, you know, is a, is better because um, people are, again, are a little bit more inclined and more incentivized to, you know, to try and get a goal. Um You know, again, I think that's kind of the biggest thing is trying, you know, st- scoring early, you know, is always, is always the number one thing to kind of pull people out of a block. But I think the second thing is understanding how, you know, what what ways is are going to be best to stress, you know, to put stress on the opposing team's defense, whether it's laterally, vertically, or again, just using your one-on-one matchups and then winning them with superior skill and ability.
0: Yeah. Um The playoff thing is a little bit interesting because teams can't just play for a draw. I mean, they can. They can try, you know, they can try and run the gauntlet of 120 minutes against LAFC without conceding a goal and hoped to get us in penalties, but 120 minutes without conceding, uh, is going to be tough even for somebody's discipline as Minnesota. When you consider the firepower that we were missing on, on Sunday night. Um, so I don't know that like, kind of like you said that, they're not going to be able to play as low, and especially if we get a, an early goal, they're going to have to come out and play, and then that's when we can really pour it on. Um, specifically, there's a few things that I think you can do uh, against a team that is going to defend like Minnesota was. Where again, I feel like I've said this a hundred thousand times now, but a five-man backline, three defensive midfielders. Uh, for me, it starts with pulling back your wingers in front of the wing backs, and then using your fullbacks to create two-on-ones on the outside. So, for example, on the right wing, if you have Carlos Vela, you have your fullback overlapping and creating a 2v1 on the wing back to force him into a decision. Do I, do I take the runner or do I take Vela? If he takes the runner, now a defensive midfielder has to come over or one of the other center backs, and it opens up more space in the box, uh, where ideally you have, you know, Mark Anthony K. let's see, Blessing, Diego Rossi and, and Adama Diomande all spread out in the box. And the idea isn't necessarily to send in a header because we don't have a true aerial threat. Uh, at least I don't think so in our, in our midfield or, or among our forwards. Um, but it's to find, uh, you know, a couple more passes to, to set up a shot. And then, uh, the other thing I think we can do, especially against Minnesota and Josh, you and I kind of talked about this before the podcast, is if a team is going to sit two forwards behind our midfield like Minnesota did with Katero and uh, and Toy, you can put Latif Blessing back in, you know, his true destroyer role and move Eddie Eddie Atuesta up the pitch uh, where he was already playing, because Latif isn't getting you that much in terms of playmaking. Uh, from a forward position, you can easily just slot him back and keep him back to help screen the the center backs, and always keep a number advantage where we're always three v two, and Latif is able to track runners as the two center backs deal with whatever forward is uh is on the ball. Um, so those are those are two big things that I would do. One, you know, uh, the two v ones on the on the wing as an offensive threat, and then Switching Latif back into a defensive role for, uh, you know, to prevent any goals from being scored on the counter.
1: Yeah. I mean, and it, it almost uh, makes him, you know, it almost allows him to play to the best of his, his skill, right? Where he can, with knowing that he has the two center backs behind him, right? He can play super aggressive. He can track back. He can chase people down into the box, nip the ball off him from behind, do all those things that he does so well further up the pitch. You know, but at the same time, right now you you but you're still maintaining a little bit of defensive balance, you know, um, with him back there, and then also still have that ability to create for, by having, um, Atuesta further up the
0: pitch. Right, right, okay. Uh, last question here is from at finding Nebula. Uh, shout out to Valeria for always coming up with some good questions. What do you think are the chances of getting three points in Orlando since we have, since we are losing five players to international duty and Vela is questionable? Side note, I hate that the MLS has games during the international break. Same here, sister. Uh, I don't think anybody is really thrilled. I mean, even the coaches uh, aren't happy about it that, that a lot of the international coaches, including Greg Berhalter, the counter-press punching bag, um, is not thrilled about it and has spoken out about it. Um, the chances of getting three points in Orlando, I I honestly think they're high. I mean, I know that we're going to be fielding a rotated squad on the road, which has been a recipe for a disaster for us so far, but Orlando, um, is not a very good team, which I mean, maybe that's, maybe that's also a sign. Two of our other losses came with the rotated squads on the road against Colorado. And, uh, in Vancouver. So I don't know. I feel positive going into the weekend. What about you, Josh? Yeah. I mean,
1: and I think it's, they're in a little bit different position than a Minnesota who's, you know, in the top half of the Western conference, the crazy Western conference table, right. I needs and needed points, no matter what. Right. Orlando, I think they're, I don't know. I think they're chasing a playoff position in the East. Right. They're kind of on the outside looking in. And so they almost have to get three points. See. Right. Especially on at home.
0: Orlando is currently in ninth.
1: Yeah. And, but how many points are they out?
0: They are four points out of the playoffs. For sure.
1: So at that point, right. They, they, they need a full three. Right. And, and so I would assume that you're probably, you know, you would, you may get a little bit more, more. And again, with them being at home, right. You're going to get a little bit more activity from them, you know, than you saw from Minnesota in terms of, um, you know, in terms of attacking, attacking prowess. And so again, the tough thing is again the rotation and some of those different things. But generally you're keeping, you know, most of your um your front three. And again, it's the it's the midfield that's probably a little bit more a bigger concern, you know, and how you line that up and how you set that up. I think both, you know, maybe they play like, you know, either Segura or Silva who are both you know who have both played center defensive midfield in that deepest line play, you know that deeper lying role, and just have them sit in between the center backs, right? So again, there's there's options there and different things that they may do. Um, again, in but at the same time, again, it's one of those things where you're definitely going to have an advantage when it comes to certain things, and you're still you still have guys that are going to know. Their role and do and do those different things again. It's just they get in the midfield is probably the biggest concern, but given that the midfield have played fairly poorly over the last couple weeks, right? Um, again, I think we need we could probably use a hard reset there as well.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, kind of like you said, you have essentially a, a starting back line available with Harvey Segura, uh, who I assume will be Blackman and then Beta Shore. That, I mean, that's a pretty solid back line there. We've even had people calling for Blackman over Zimmerman, which I think is kind of crazy, but um, not unheard of, I guess, at this point. Yeah, I mean, and then I mean, like you said, the midfield's going to have to be heavily rotated. You still have Blessing and K- uh, Win around, um, and then like you said, that your starting front three are still there. So, uh, still a fairly standard squad rotating a couple guys in the midfield so i'm positive i feel positive going into the weekend um and i think everybody else should too all right anything else josh
1: no i mean obviously i think um you know like if if they decide they do decide to rest vela for one more game right and it, that's probably with with the understanding that philly is the next game after that who you know basically you know who beat right. atlanta to, to take sole control over the eastern conference for the time being and so you know like i said at this at that point there there's definitely a risk reward you know bella could probably use an extra week but again how much is he going to play be able to play a full i don't know if i'm i if he's going to play whether you want him to play a full 90 right off the bat and so you'll probably see a couple of those little things there as we you know as we head into this this next match but yeah, obviously this is this was one where we spent a lot of time being critical of the team. Um again, just because we didn't see that that typical growth throughout the game to be able to kind of feel things out and figure things out that we've 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 been accustomed to throughout the season, but again, this is the time where you want to lose these types of games, right? It's the time where you want to have, you know, it's the time where you want to have a a weird 20 minutes against the galaxy. It's the time when you want to, you know, where you, where you have a, an opportunity to make bad. I mean, that's the upside of, of having the playoffs for as much as, you know, we've been, you know, coming from, you know, from us who have started watching more European soccer, you know, that that's where the playoffs will definitely give you a little bit of an advantage, um, you know, give you a little bit of advantage in terms of how you, how you approach it and some of those things as well. So, you know, there's a bigger picture inside. And again, with, the, with the lead we have in both the, the supporter shield, as well as, you know, just, um, in the Western Conference, uh, again, I, there, there's, there, you could probably, you know, we can probably stand to be a little bit more patient, you know, as, as hard as it can be, uh, especially in the situation where you're losing games that you probably shouldn't. So, you know, it is what it is and you move on to the next one. And, can you figure it out now so that you don't have to figure it out later in a in a match that probably carries a lot more weight than a regular season game in you know in the beginning of the month
0: yeah yeah i do agree um, with the idea that you know now's a good time to make a few mistakes so you can get it back uh, together get back in form as you head into the playoffs so as long as the the midfield gets it together then i think we're pretty well primed to make a deep run all right. With all that being said, we are going to wrap it up here, and we will talk to you all again on when's again Saturday, Saturday night, I guess. Yeah. Uh, Josh, where can the people find you?
1: LDFC Josh on Twitter.
0: You doing another scouting report this week? I'm
1: gonna try. It's gonna, like I said, it's a crazy week for me because I got a bunch of different obligations from work and coaching this coming week. So we'll see.
0: Okay. Well. Keep your eyes peeled for a Dalai Black and Gold episode uh, in English. Uh, whether or not it happens, we'll is get. Uh, yeah, well, wow, it remains to be seen. Is what I'm trying to say here. You can follow me at Kirk Kinsey, and you can follow the show at Counterpress underscore. And we will talk to you all on Saturday night. Good night.